Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talking Knicks. They come up short last night against one of the NBA's elite and the Boston Celtics. Come up four points shy at the Garden. You know, speaking of KP, and you know, look, you could tell that he was loving it. And he got a kick out of it. Here was KP after the game talking about his big game at MSG. Awesome feeling to come back now with, you know, being a Celtic and, and play here. Even, you know, getting booed and, and getting all that. It's still cool. I, I really like that and, and enjoy that. But most importantly, like, we won the game and very excited about what, what we have ahead of us. And, and I wish the Knicks and the, the city and the organization nothing but the best. And, of course, as we said, you know, he got a little bit of a... Warm greeting, if you want to call it that, from the MSG faithful. What did he think about the reception that he got uh, towards the tail end of that game? Yes, it's it's honestly it's an uh, uh, awesome feeling to come back now with you know being a Celtic and and play here. Even even you know getting booed and, and getting all that, uh, it's 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 still cool. I, I really like that and and enjoy that and yeah. But most importantly, like we won the game and and. I'm very excited about what, what we have ahead of us, and um, and I wish the Knicks and the, this 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 city and the organization nothing but the best. I tell you, he's already been a guy for you know what is he? He's 28 years old. It's amazing how well traveled he's been already. Right, this is a guy who once upon a time was the unicorn, a guy who was going to be a franchise mainstay. Guy's now been on three teams in three years. And look, I don't see. There was some talk once upon a time at the beginning of the summer when there was that that carrot that was being dangled out there, right, where maybe, just maybe, there was a possibility that maybe KP and the Knicks would have a reunion. And would it make sense? I think that there was a decent amount of Knicks fans, at least the ones that I talked to on these shows, that were all in favor of bringing him back. I wouldn't have had a problem with it, but would it have been able to work? and make everything work, you know, as far as with the team and the cap and the roster and all those things. But I think that most fans would have been receptive to that if it would have meant helping this team win. And if you got that type of KP last night on a regular basis, well, yeah, of course it would have been a good fit. That'll fit on any team when push comes to shove. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. Danny in Staten Island up next here on 98.7. ESPN. Danny, how are you? Hey, Dan, how are you? Daniel, things are great. What's going on? Good. So, yeah, so speaking of the center position, I want to talk about the Knicks center position with, you know, with Mitchell Robinson and both, and Hardenstein. I like them generally, but I think we're going to be at a, against teams like Boston, we're going to be at a disadvantage, especially on offense. You're, you're almost going like four on five, because they're not real threats to score, unless it's like a, you know, a putback or a tip-in, but I know. What, what do you think about that? I, I mean, I, is it, it, it's, it's a real challenge with them as, you know, all these years they haven't really developed any type of offensive game. Yeah, but here's the problem, though. You're talking about Mitchell Robinson? Yeah, and Hardenstein. When they're in the lineup, it's like going four and five. It's exactly, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But in most cases, down the stretch, that's not going to be your finishing group. See, the thing about it now in the NBA, sure. it's a lot different than – 
it was once upon a time where we used to put so much emphasis on who's starting, who's starting, who's starting. It's not about who's starting now. You know what's more important? It's who's finishing. And those guys aren't on the floor during crunch time. Uh, well, hard to see what's on the floor at the end of the game, right? I mean, somebody. Well, he was last night, but, but generally speaking, though, they're not going to be on there because, like I said, Josh Hart is usually going to be a guy who's out there. He's going to be a part of your finishing group. Josh Hart, Randall, R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and you hope it's going to be somebody like a Quentin Grimes if need be, right? But Quentin had yeah, kind a of a quiet small, game right? last night, right? Because Quentin Grimes yeah. is the guy, Danny. I think if you're asking me, if I don't know if it's a true X factor, but if I'm looking at this Knicks team, that is a guy to me that if they want to take this thing to another level, he's got to take his game to the next level. I agree 100%. I like the way he plays. Great stroke. Really tough on defense. A three and D, as they call him, right? Almost. Right, and he's got and he's got to develop that offensive game a little bit more. And I thank you for the phone call. Like I want to see this guy becoming more consistent threat, especially from three point range. Right, that's what they brought him in for, and that's they that's what they think he can be. And the quicker he gets there consistently, it's going to make the Knicks better. You know what's funny too? I should say this before we continue on. And I don't want to just like shortchange him. R.J. Barrett wasn't bad last night. Right? R.J. Barrett was steady. Right? He was, he was good. He didn't, like, jump off the floor. He wasn't one of those guys, if you were watching the game, no matter what uniform he was wearing, we said, oh, what? He didn't, there weren't a lot of wow moments with R.J. Barrett last night, but he was, he was solid. And, you know, we're five years into this thing, right, give or take? Maybe solid is just what he is. It was so much a part of the conversation last year once he got the contract and whether or not he was going to be traded, for example, for Donovan Mitchell, right? Oh, well, he's got upside. He's got potential. He could do this. He could do this. Yeah, he could do all those things for sure. Maybe. But we need to see it because right now we're just seeing a guy who's a good player but not a great one. Let's say hi to Griffin in Connecticut who is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Griff. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Dan? Griff, I'm doing okay. How's things? It's good. Despite my things being a lopsided roller coaster, and I have no clue what what team I'm getting every any day. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. That, 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 let, let's put it this way: they're they're not a good outfit right now. The division itself wow. is an absolute joke, which might give you a little bit of hope moving forward. But you got some things to figure out there. Oh, offensively, yeah, it's 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 it's. I don't I don't understand that. I'll tell you, it's a tricky spot on Sunday, too. I don't like them going into New Orleans, into Indianapolis. That's a game I'd stay the hell away from. The, fa- the fans had enough. Well, the Colts, think about it. The Colts probably should have won that game last week if they didn't get hosed by the officials oh, late in the fourth oh, quarter. Oh, uh, the officiating is uh, – don't even get me started, Dan. It's a that. joke. That, that, that we can be here until Christmas time. It, it's a joke. What do you got, though? Because we don't have until Christmas tonight. What do you got, Griff? Um – I want to talk about the uh, last night's uh, basketball game. It's good to have basketball back. Sure. It really is. Um, I watched some of that before my Heat uh, played the Pistons. Um, the, the, the Celtics are legit, and they are absolutely a great team. And, this, and the Knicks did not play well. And for them to be able to hang in there and almost have a chance to win, that is that that is that is what's surprising because the Knicks I think are gonna be I especially I know Julius not Julius Randall Jalen Brunson 
is I don't think he's going to shoot like that every, every any night. He's going to get better. He had a rough shooting night. I, it, you can't make it out. But Jalen Brunson is going to be better. And Emmanuel Quickly was great last night. And if Emmanuel Quickly keeps getting better and better and better, then 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 you. I, I just I just thought there was good things to, despite the loss. How they were able to still hold on and still almost pull out a win against a great Celtic team. That there is one thing that I'm worried about with the Celtics is the lack of their bench. Yeah, they were non-existent last night. But look, when you have top-end talent like they have, Griffin, I thank you for the yeah. phone call. Like the Celtics have, okay? They're starting five. Lack of a better term, it's almost like an all-star team, right? This day and age, you got to make some sacrifices. If you're paying all these dudes a ton of money, which these guys are making a lot, especially the stars on the Celtics, you're not going to be able to have a lot of depth. So they're going to have to rely on those. And look, last night was good enough for them to get a victory because outside of Al Horford hitting a couple of shots, I mean, they had no bench production whatsoever. That was, think about it, that disparity with the second units, that was one of the reasons why the Knicks weren't buried in that game last night. But that's not going to be the case every single See, you know, Griff and a lot of other people are looking at the game last night and say, you know, happy they did this, happy they hung around, Celtics are great. Yeah, it's all true, but got to get past that at some point. And I know it's only one game, but eventually with this Nick team, if you, con- you want to continue to see this thing through and take it to the next level when then you are talking about a team that hopefully can compete for a championship, the moral victories have to disappear. Even against a good one like Boston because you should be in that category. You should be in that class to where you should be able to beat one of these teams every so often. Not just, oh, we're content because we hung with them. That's not good enough. Let's say hi to Eric. He's in Westchester. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Eric. How are you? Hey, Dan. How are you? Anyway, uh, yes, uh, I don't want to change the subject. I know it's basketball, but uh, this this Sunday – Eric, you're changing the subject. You just said you didn't want to change the subject, and you changed the subject on me. What are you doing? You can't change the subject. I don't want to finish the show. I'm done. I'm I'm done. You changed the subject on me. No, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. I'm kidding. Eric, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'm kidding. All right. Uh, Anyway, uh, this this Sunday, the Jets and the Giants will play. And guess what? A lot of people, a lot of your uh, listeners probably don't remember the uh, Giants used to play the old Yankee Stadium. Oh, sure. And you know, I, I grew too. up. I grew yeah. up a Yan- I grew up in the Bronx, and I grew up a Yankee fan and a Giant fan. But anyway, besides that, uh, this Sunday I'm a Giant fan, and guess who I'm rooting for? Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb. Let's see, Yankee fan. You said you were a Giant fan. Yes. <sighs> I- Call me crazy, but I'm going to say you're rooting for the Giants. No, I'm rooting for the Jets. Really? Why is that now, Eric? Tell me. Uh, because I think the, uh, I'm a New York fan also. Because I think the Jets have a better shot to get to the playoffs and do some damage. The Giants, forget it. They're better off losing, losing as many games as they can and get better draft choices for the following years. So and, you, you know, don't think this Giants team... As currently constituted, you don't think that they have the goods for, to get to where they want to get to, and you think position yourself for the future and right. better get the right. draft choices. All right. 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 All right. I, 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 because uh, Jones' neck is uh, who knows when, and the other guy, forget it, 
And, you know, it's ridiculous. You know, they scored 12, 14 points. How are they going to, what are they going to do? So they're better off losing. They're better off losing because they get better draft choices. Eric, I see where you're going if you think that this season is kind of a wash anyway right now, and I thank you for the phone call. Um, I don't know if all Giant fans feel that way, especially I'm sure a lot of them want to go out there, and if they are going to win another game here, and they certainly want it to be against the Jets with the whole bragging rights and that rivalry aspect of the game. So there's that angle to it, but if you want to look at a big picture and say, I don't think the Giants are a playoff team, certainly not a championship team the way they are right now, you might as well get yourself in a position to where you can maybe go out there and draft one of the top quarterbacks come April. All right. All right. All right, look, I just think it's a little bit early to be playing that game. Was it week eight? Not even Halloween yet, and you're already sitting there wishing that they lose games? I think you probably got to wait till at least, like, middle of November before you can start looking at it down the road as to where things are going to fall. Because, look, and I'm not saying that the Giants are going to win a championship this year. Of course not. But look at the NFC right now. That if the Giants got a little healthier, and let's say somehow they won this game on Sunday. Let, 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 humor me for a second. Let's say they won this game. They're 3-5. and five. Right now in the NFC, like if the playoffs started today, Tampa Bay is a wild card team, and they're 3-3. Three and three. Tampa Bay's not any good. You mean the Giants, if they get a couple of pieces back, they can't go out there and play with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Now, look, that's not going to get you anywhere. You know, it's one of those, like, we're just content to make the playoff type deals. That's fine. But it's not like it's an impossibility, and there's people that are going to be running away with some of these spots. The NFC maybe is not as rich as we thought it was going to be. You got Dallas. You got Phil. No particular order. Dallas, Philadelphia, right? The 49ers have now lost a couple games in a row. And the Detroit Lions, who everybody's darlings at the beginning of the year, and they've been playing good football, but they went into Baltimore and they got smacked around like they never played before. There's opportunities there, but winning one game every five weeks is not a recipe to going out there and getting into the playoffs. And that's why Giants are looking at this as, hey, let's go win two in a row. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, as you and I are talking on Thursday night, and they still have tomorrow to get through on the practice field, but Daniel Jones still hasn't been cleared yet for contact. And I'd be shocked if it happens tomorrow. So 
As of now, it looks like it's going to be round three with Tyrod Taylor. But Tyrod Taylor in his two previous starts, he has had Saquon Barkley at his disposal, something that Daniel Jones did not have for every single game so far this season. Now, regardless, if you're the Giants, you still got to go out there and put up points. All right, it's nice that Tyrod hasn't turned the football over, and the guy's a veteran, and you know he's been around the league a while, and he's made stops along the way. But the name of the game, if you're a quarterback, is still go out there and put the ball in the end zone and put some points up on the board. Giants have averaged 11.5 points a game with Tyrod Taylor. That's why I was thinking about this. You know, if, if, if you're the Jets, for example, what do you think gives you the better matchup? At the quarterback position. You know you're going to have to deal with Saquon. You're going to have to stop the run. Okay, check. But if you can stop Barkley and eliminate him, which quarterback would you rather face? Like, which quarterback do you think is going to give you more headaches? Now, look, Tyrod Taylor, once upon a time, with the Buffalo Bills, everybody remembers that season finale in 2015. They went up there and Tyrod Taylor picked him apart. Sammy Watkins and company, and it cost Todd Bowles' team a chance at the playoffs. That was a long time ago, though. But then you also had a situation with Tyrod Taylor where he was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. 2018, Jets went up there on a Thursday night. They, they knocked him out of the game, literally. And then in comes Baker Mayfield, and Cleveland stops their long losing streak and beats the Jets on that Thursday night. So they've had some good against Tyrod, some bad against Tyrod. Jets have also done a hell of a job defensively the last few games, and I was talking about this today with um, Jermaine Johnson. He was one of the guys that I did a one-on-one with that you're going to hear on Sunday for the pregame show. And, you know, this defense has forced nine takeaways in the last three weeks. It's pretty good. More often than not, if you're turning teams over, let's say, at three times per game, you're going to win your fair share of them. And they've won two out of the last three games. Probably should have won all three. But it didn't quite happen for them against the Kansas City Chiefs due to, you know, various circumstances. But Tyrod's a guy who's protected the football. Daniel Jones for the better part of his career, has been somebody that's turned the ball over way too frequently. And that's one of the things that drove Giant fans crazy. Forget about the fact the team was bad and there were more problems than just the quarterback, but those were part of the things that you wanted to fix with the quarterback. And last year he was able to do it. Right? He took care of the football. And coincidentally enough, he went out there and had his best season, talking about Daniel Jones. So if he... look. We're talking about it hypothetically, but right now it would be an upset if Daniel Jones is even cleared. So if you're going to face a QB who's less mistake-prone, well, then that would be Tyrod Taylor. But do I think that the Jets go into this game and trying to slow down Tyrod Taylor and say, oh, I, I don't know if we could beat him? No, I, I, I still like the matchup of that Jets defense, especially that front seven going up against Tyrod Taylor. And maybe there was some optimism earlier in the week that Andrew Thomas was going to be able to play this week, but it still is not exactly a slam dunk. So right now you might be looking at Pewitt left tackle with, with Bredesen. Schmitz looks like he is going to be back in the middle, which is a good sign for him. And then Glowinski and Tyree Phillips. That's, you know, that patchwork unit of an offensive line, which does not have a lot of snaps together with one another. You would think that the Jets would be able to do some damage there. Now the question is, is Tyrod going to be able to keep himself in the game if the Jets get after him? Because they could get after the quarterback. We'll wait to see about Sauce Gardner. DJ Reed still haven't cleared the concussion protocol, but they were out on the practice field. Those are the steps. I, look, I, don't, I didn't get a manual. Like, it didn't come in my mail. 
like steps to beating concussion protocol in the NFL. But I guess this is the things that you have to do to get there, to be able to play. And if they go out there, then that's going to make that Jet defense even stronger. But we saw the guys fill in against the Philadelphia Eagles more than capably. And the job that the Bryce Halls of the world have done the last two games having to step in, really doing a solid job. Giants are going to have to play well to win this game. Giants are going to Giants are going to have to go out there and score more than, you know, 11 and a half, 12 points a game to beat the Jets. That ain't going to get it done. Scoring 14 like they did against Washington last week, that isn't going to be good enough. Not to say that this Jets offense is uh the second coming of the greatest show on turf, and they've had their problems especially on third down, the red zone, and maybe the bye week is going to allow them to help fix these issues. Also got to see what that Jet offensive line looks like. You know, Joe Tipman seems like somebody that probably is not going to be able to give it a go, so Wes Schweitzer would step in at right guard. Did a decent job filling in in that Philadelphia game a couple of weeks ago. But the Jets right now, is, as Eric from Westchester, what he called a little bit earlier, you know, obviously the Jets look like that team that represents more of a certainty of getting to the playoffs this year, or at least a better shot than the Giants would. And if you fashion yourself a real playoff team, you got to go out there and win this game on Sunday for the Jets. You should beat this Giants team given the current state that they're in. And we'll see what happens. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Carl's in Jersey. He's up next here on 9870 ESPN. Carl, how are you? Hey, Carl. Hey, i uh, got some points about the Giants I want to make. I mean, this game coming up, it's, going to be a big test for the Giants defense I mean it's not really like you said going up against the greatest show on turf with the Jet offense but if the Giants defense can step it up like they have been for the last few games they have a pretty good shot at winning this game yeah I mean they can like I said it's not insurmountable because the other thing about it too uh Carl and I thank you for the phone call and and the Jets are kind of taking steps this week to try to curtail this a little bit Jets have not been good out of the bye since Robert Sala took over. Now, I don't know if you want to pin this all. Of course, you're not going to pin it all on the head coach. And, you know, the teams weren't very good. That's why they missed out on the playoffs. But both of the losses, ironically enough, came after the bye to the New England Patriots. First year here, they played the game in London. They lost to the Falcons, came back after the bye. They went up to Foxborough and got destroyed. That was the game that Zach Wilson got hurt in. Last year, they had the big win against the Buffalo Bills, go to the bye week, come back, and it was that game up in Foxborough, the 10-6 disaster where um, or 10-3, whatever it was, with the, the walk-off punt return for the touchdown. That was Zach Wilson's last game before he ends up getting benched. So they got to find some ways around it. They've altered the schedule this week, having guys, you know, lift a little bit earlier in the morning, meetings a little bit later in the afternoon, not right off the practice field and into the locker room doing media. We'll see if it changes things a little bit for them when they hit the field. Subi's in Midtown. He's up next. Here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Sub, how are you? Hey, Dan. I was going to address the defense, but you pretty much got it covered. So I was going to address the running back situation. Uh, Michael Carter hasn't had a, a big run or a touchdown, I think, this year. So would that be wise to start him off early and then resolve? And Dalvin Cook has, like, a third option? Because I think Dalvin Cook, you know, his, his strength is getting that first down or the short yardage situation. So why not have Michael Carter, who you did select pretty high a couple of years ago, uh, off and running pretty early? And that's what I want to see, uh, Michael Carter and uh, 
him doing well this season except for playing third fiddle. That's all i got to say. I think Michael Carter's role is kind of defined with his team, Subi, and that's as a third down kind of change of pace back. I think the guy that I want to see get some run at the running back position is Izzy Abanaconda, the rookie out of Pitt. All right, that guy's got speed. The guy's a game breaker. And let's put it this way, he's got better legs right now than Dalvin Cook does. You know, he had that injury in preseason, which set him back a little bit, and he still hasn't even dressed for a game. Hopefully he's going to get his shot here soon because he is somebody that can bring a little bit of that game-breaking element to the offense. You know that Brees Hall's got it. I don't know if Dalvin Cook has that right now in his career. And they could talk all they want about the GPS numbers and how he's, you know, running faster as they're measuring him. Well, you know what? you got to produce. And he's averaging, what, 2.2 yards a carry? And that trade deadline is coming up Tuesday. I'm sure that there's been some teams that have called up Joe Douglas and inquired about maybe Dalvin Cook and his availability. All right, we'll get back to the football a little bit later on. We come back, want to switch gears, do a little baseball. World Series starts tomorrow in Arlington between the Rangers and the D-backs. C.J. Nitkowski, who is the TV analyst for those Rangers, also part of MLB Radio, he will join us to help us break it down. Grasso Show for another hour on this Thursday, 98.7 ESPN. What are you doing? You can't change the subject. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Tomorrow, it's the start of the World Series, featuring a couple of teams that not too many people thought would be the last two standing. That gets underway at Globe Life Field in Arlington between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. And our next guest is going to be taking in the game, and he, of course, knows the Rangers as well as anybody. He is one of their outstanding analysts on the TV side, also my good buddy on MLB Radio. It is C.J. Nitkowski. C.J., how are things, my friend? Dan, things are good, man. Getting excited for tomorrow. How are you doing? Absolutely. I mean, how can he not be? And look, you, you know, you were with this team during the lean years, and in a short amount of time, it's amazing the turnaround that this club has had getting now to this point where they're four wins away from a world championship. I know that it's all about the players, and, you know, you were a player for a long time, but it's got to be somewhat satisfying for you. Like I said, for somebody who called a lot of these games when games really didn't have a lot of eyeballs on them, but now they're sitting there playing on the biggest stage. It's got to be pretty cool. It's really cool, and they made it easy this year, right? I think, you know, when it comes to broadcasting games for a team, especially as many as we do, uh, when the team is playing well and there's a lot of great storylines, it makes your job really easy. The challenge comes just like it does for fans, just like it comes for players. You know, a couple of years ago when they lost 102 games, um, there wasn't a lot of easy things uh, necessarily to talk about. So you had to dig in. You had to work a little harder. 
uh, make sure you're keeping the energy up, all that kind of stuff. But it's paid off. I mean, it's still you know, it's a great job. I love it. And uh, just really happy for the guys, the organization. And I was telling somebody this earlier today, just, you know, quite honestly, even the staff, all that ancillary staff that supports the club and the clubhouse and traveling secretaries and all those people uh, that do all that work, I love the fact that we get playoff shares. And the deeper you get into a postseason, the bigger that playoff share is. And those folks work really, really hard. And, uh, and got to take a lot of crap along the way. So I love it for them, and um, certainly love it for our fans. They've been waiting a long time. Still haven't done it yet. This organization has been around in Arlington since 1972, and they have not won a World Series. Came close a couple of times, as we know, certainly in 2011, really close against St. Louis, but now they get another crack at it here. And All right, let's be honest. You know, earlier in the month, when we were there at that final weekend of the regular season and they had gotten to the playoffs, they just missed out on the tiebreaker there with Houston on the division, but they, they qualified. And then you're lining them up against Tampa Bay and then on to Baltimore and then, of course, on to the Houston Astros. Realistically, at the beginning of these playoffs, how good of a shot did you think this team had to make a run like they've been on for the last few weeks? Yeah, if you're being honest, right, obviously there's a rooting interest there, but when you're trying to be honest about what you think, uh, is reality. It, it certainly wasn't this, and that's because they stumbled at the very end of the season. Uh, the odds makers said the same thing. I was just looking earlier uh, today, and on August, or excuse me, on October second, the season was over. That was the off day in between the last day of the regular season and the start of the wild card series. And the Rangers had a four percent chance of winning, uh, winning it all. Uh, it was the eighth best uh, of the you know, teams of twelve teams that were in the postseason. They were eighth with a four percent chance of uh, winning the World Series, and, and the Diamondbacks are only at 2.8, which is kind of wild. But, um, no, I mean, there were so many things that weren't going right uh, leading into it, and you kind of hope, Taser, somehow, some way, they can figure out a, a way to get this thing turned around and stop some bad mojo, some bad momentum after dropping three or four to Seattle, including a one nothing shutout on the last day of the season to lose the division, uh, a spot that they had held on to for 160 days uh, during the regular season. And uh, there were some real concerns, there were some bullpen concerns, depth of starting rotation, the offense went cold, and pretty much all of those things changed as soon as they got to Tampa to start that wild card series. You think about some of the shortcomings that this club had, or at least the questions that you know we all had about them going into the season. Yeah, they went out there and spent a lot of money to shore up the pitching this time around, right? Jacob DeGrom was the big cash cow. We know that he goes down early in the season. You say, oh, well, how do you pick up the pieces? Well... They also went and got Nathan Avaldi, and he was having a great first half of the season. Then he goes down to an injury. John Gray also couldn't make it through the entire season. They go out there, though, and make some trades at the deadline to kind of fortify things, right? The Jordan Montgomery's of the world. It's just remarkable to me. We know this team can hit, CJ, but how on the fly they've kind of remade this pitching staff, both with the starting rotation and the bullpen, to where now we're sitting here, and you kind of feel good about them going into each game. Yeah, you do, and the big piece there, I think, was Jordan Montgomery. Even though Max Scherzer was the bigger name who came over at the deadline, Jordan Montgomery has been hugely impactful. Evaldi's back. He's been great in the postseason. He's won all four of his postseason starts. But Jordan Montgomery in particular uh, has really given them a shot in the arm that they need. I mean, the reality is for the Rangers right now, that they have two starters that you have an idea of what you're going to get out of them. Max Scherzer becomes kind of a wild card in, in what you do in a game four. Uh, could be kind of piecing it together, and, and the Diamondbacks are in that same situation for their uh, Game 4 uh, starter, and that's what we saw in the National League Championship Series. So, yeah, that part of it has been, uh, you know, it's been settled to some degree, but it doesn't mean that you're feeling all that confident. You'd love to have four starters that you, you feel good about going into the postseason. That's just not the reality for 
those clubs. What's interesting about the bullpen part of it is that even though Raldis Chapman certainly provided a boost when they acquired him, and it was much more before they got to the, the deadline, they did it way ahead of it, um, there's been some up and down with him. The guys yeah. that are really getting it done right now in the bullpen are the guys that have been there. It was just a matter of kind of writing the ship with them. Uh, Jose McCork has been with this organization uh, for a long time, and you'd wonder, and I will tell you that, you know, three, four months into the season, uh, he has an option, I believe it's for $6 million next year. I thought, there's no way that they're not going to exercise that option. It's just not going right, and he's not an arm that you can count on. And now he's a postseason hero, and here I am saying, there's no way you can't uh, exercise that option and make sure that he's back in your uniform next year. And I think it just goes to show you how quickly things can turn around. Uh, for him, for Josh Ford, who was very good at the beginning yep. of the year, got hurt, struggled. He's now a go-to arm. Uh, it's kind of incredible. And a bunch of the starters that are in the bullpen. John Gray is in the bullpen. Martin Perez is in the bullpen. Cody Bradford, Andrew Heaney. Uh, these are all pitchers that made meaningful starts for the Rangers in the regular season. And now here they are contributing in the bullpen. Even Dane Dunning did a nice job early in the season when they were trying Dane to Dunning, piece things you. together, yeah. right, when Jake went down there. We're talking with C.J. Nitkowski here on 98.7 ESPN. The Bochi factor, I mean, it can't be overstated enough. The guy's a Hall of Fame manager or will be a Hall of Fame manager with the three rings. And, you know, I can remember back during the offseason, you know, maybe you and even I were, were doing shows together just talking about, well, you know that Boach wasn't going to get up off the couch and take on another job if it was going to be some sort of a rebuild. He expected to win. The organization expected to win. I guess the only difference is, CJ, nobody expected to be in year number one that they'd be competing for a World Series. No, I mean, I, listen, I know they were putting their best foot forward, but we also know how hard it is just because you're putting a roster together with some good players. Everything kind of has to go right. Now, we'll say Bruce Bochy not coming out of retirement unless he has a legitimate chance to win. And there were certainly times this year where the Rangers were going on all cylinders, and you could start to see it potentially as a real-world series team. And then there was that really bad 4-16 and 16 stretch that took them into early September, and you're like, this team might not make the postseason now. Uh, that's how up and down the year had been. But uh, for Bruce Bochy, the consistency of leadership, uh, really important um, with him. And, uh, and, and getting it done and kind of delivering that message for a guy that has been there and done that, now he's back in the World Series. For the fifth time as a big league manager, a third different club, uh, you hear the players talk about it all the time, uh, what he has meant to them, the consistency, again, that you know he would bring to the clubhouse regardless of what is going on. It's not to say that you know, he wouldn't get upset. He's still really competitive and fiery when he has to be. Uh, but there's a real consistency uh, to him that I think really played well. These guys need it. I was talking to Bobby Wilson today on my radio show on XM, and you know, he's a guy that is the catching coach, longtime big leaguer with the Rangers, and I asked him about that flight. Because after they lost that game on the last day of the season in Seattle, they had a six-hour flight to Tampa. Like, they win that game, they're going back yep. to Dallas, and they get five days off. Instead, nope, you're going to Tampa. And I said, man, how'd it go? And he's like, you know, for a while there, yeah, not great. Uh, but then it, it got to the point where he felt like both kind of got the guys together, brought them together. It was a good bonding moment. They were able to kind of flush it, put it behind them, and, and move on. And obviously, it went on a great run. and won seven straight after that uh, in the postseason before they got to the ALCS and was those three at home to the Houston Astros, but, uh, you know, it's, it's that part of what Bruce Butch brings to the table to go with all, all the experience of running a bullpen, putting out a lineup. Those kinds of things really matter when you need the most. Yeah, and, and you know this. Before that Seattle series, they were down in Anaheim, so they went from Anaheim up to Seattle, across the country, down to Tampa, and then up to Baltimore. I mean, they were, they're really racking up those frequent flyer miles over the last month yeah. or so. Now, maybe, look, everybody wants to have home, home field advantage. That's what you play for, but 
the way things have unfolded for them here in the month of October, they're one and three at home in the playoffs. They're eight and zero on the road. Maybe home field isn't the best thing for this club, CJ. Yeah, it's interesting, right? We were talking about that as well. Like the idea of would you actually forfeit home field advantage if you could? I think the answer is still no um, to that. It's just kind of one of those things. I will say this: for the Rangers, in 1972 is when they came to Arlington, and for teams that had played at least 15 postseason games, they had the worst home winning percentage of any team since 1972. Uh, I believe it was at like 360. Like their times in the postseason leading up to this year just had not gone particularly well. I get it, different generations and different teams and all those kinds of things. But for Ranger fans, they were kind of like, hey, when are we going to start winning some games at home? That would be nice. And so they won that first one. And then to finish off the Baltimore Orioles, then drop three straight uh, to the Houston Astros, which really stung. Um, I don't know if there's any rhyme or reason to it. They played well at home during the regular season. Uh, this will be that first opportunity uh, to open up the series at home in the postseason, and the atmosphere is going to be unbelievable. But they've played well in this ballpark all year long. Corey Seager, in particular, has hit the ball well oh. in this ballpark. Back-to-back years in which he you know, sets career highs and home runs, what he did during the postseason in 2020, when essentially Global Field was the bubble and he won NLCS MVP in the World Series MVP. Like His power plays and what everybody thought was going to be a really big ballpark and perhaps problems hitting home runs at Globe Field. That hasn't been the case at all. All right, let's flip over to the NL side here just for a second. Now, it, nobody saw that come in the way that things were unfolding in Philadelphia's just unbelievable home field advantage, needing only to win one of those last two. We know that Mad Dog Russo didn't see it happen, uh, as we know how that whole <laughs> thing un- uh, played itself out. I'll, I'll, I'll ask it this way. Do you think it was a bigger gain for Arizona? Getting out of this series alive, or do you think it was a bigger loss, bigger missed opportunity for Philadelphia that they couldn't close it out? Yeah, I think you know the way looking at that series when they got to Game Six, it, it felt like um, all the pressure was on the Philadelphia Phillies to close it out in advance. And then looking at the Diamondbacks and saying, you know what, if they pull this off, it's probably to play with house money. I know they don't look at it that way, um, but I felt like you know they weren't the favorites, obviously. Uh, and so maybe that, I don't know if that freed them up a little bit more. They certainly got a lot more aggressive with what they were doing in the base pass. One stolen base through the first five games, eight for eight over the last two games. And that, that was their game. That was a big part of what they did all year long, and they got back to it. Uh, they pitched really well. You know, it's, you could sit there and look at that and say, okay, well, was it the fact that the Phillies' bats went a little quiet, kind of shockingly, or was it that they were pitched well and couldn't come through? And I lean toward the side of the Arizona Diamondbacks really stepping up and pitching well in game six and seven. And when big moments came, uh, they were able to execute a game plan and get big outs, especially against the top of that order. Uh, they really did struggle. Trey Turner, especially with runners in scoring position, saw Nick Castellano start to fall off after some really huge moments uh, in the postseason. And I, I give more credit to the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, by pitching well, uh, doing what they had to do. It wasn't as if the Phillies were missing mistakes. I didn't see it uh, that way. And Bryce Harper, you know, last game, Three different at-bats where he came up representing the go-ahead run. He smoked the ball every single time, mm-hmm. up over 100 miles an hour, and he had nothing to show for it. And that's just kind of the way the game goes uh, sometimes. And your biggest star was in the biggest moments, and he did what he could do, and they just turned into outs instead of hits like we've seen earlier. It's amazing how when you get to the postseason nowadays, it's almost like the bullpen becomes more important than your starting pitching. And, and these are two teams that early in the season you had question marks about both of them, and they went out there and they've kind of remade them on the fly. Arizona brought in some guys. You know, the former Met Paul Seawald, for crying out loud, is closing games for them here uh, in the World Series, and he's done a nice job as well. 
I'm not going to ask you for a prediction because I know certainly which way your heart's leaning there, but give me an X factor in your opinion for each of these teams if they're going to hoist that trophy. Yeah, you know, I think ultimately for the Arizona Diamondbacks, their game three starter, Brandon Fodd, is a completely different guy than we saw in the regular season. I feel like both of these teams match up well in games one and two with starters, and it could go uh, either way. But the game threes are going to matter, and if he can deliver uh, the way that he did, I think that becomes a problem for the Rangers. The flip side of that, of course, is that if Max Scherzer has a little bit more independence based on what we have seen so far uh, from him this uh, postseason. Another factor for the Diamondbacks is going to be base running. And I don't just mean mm-hmm. stealing bases. That's important. But, man, earlier in the series, they were just running the bases horribly. Uh, when there was a guy on third, when to go on contact, uh, when the infield was in, a couple of different things there. Corbin Carroll was sliding back into second base when there was a ground ball hit up the middle, and they probably should have scored on him. There's a couple of things there that I thought were really important. Uh, on the Rangers side of that, too, they got to be able to control the running game. Uh, Joe Heim had the best, uh, fourth best. Uh, caught stealing rate for catchers this year. I mentioned the steals that we saw at the end of the NLCS for Arizona. Uh, they're going to have to be on top of that. And this Ranger bullpen uh, is going to have to deliver. We know that um, the Walters Chapman, again, hasn't quite been the same. And I actually really like him against right-handed hitters more than I do lefties right now. Uh, and so I don't see him necessarily having to come in to get left-handed hitters in the lineup. Uh, I'd like to see him maybe get clean innings get the right right-handed hitters that you match him up against, and he can deliver them. He's still throwing 103, 104 miles an hour at times, and uh, just trying to find that consistent arm uh, potentially over a seven-game series could be pretty big. I'm with you 100%. Chapman with the clean innings. I think that you have to deploy him in those situations for sure. CJ, thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. I know this is going to be a real jacked-up atmosphere down there. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. But thanks for a couple. You got it. But hey, one quick local plug for me, if you don't mind. It's a little yeah. bit of ways away. You know, I'm a St. John's guy. And so Friday, uh, it's not until January 26th, but we have our bullpen banquet, uh, and I'll be there for it on campus. And uh, Aaron Boone's going to be our special guest, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Friday, January 26th, the Yankee skippers, CJ Nitkowski, among other dignitaries. We've got to check it out, and we'll get you another plug as we get closer. Just remind me, buddy. I appreciate it, brother. All right, be good. There's C.J. Nitkowski, TV analyst for the Texas Rangers, also host on MLB Radio, Rangers and the Diamondbacks. Starting the World Series coming up tomorrow. You'll hear all of it here on 98.7 or on 1050 AM. We got you covered. This 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right now, we're talking to our good buddy Wes in East Hanover. He's up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Hello, Wes. How are you? 
I'm doing well, Dan. Good evening to you and good evening to the company. So I moved to Jersey in 2011. Mm-hmm. So that Giants-Jets game, Victor Cruz, 99 yards, was like the highlight of, of that rivalry. And I'll put that in quotes for me. And it's been all downhill for both of those teams since I moved here. So the thing I hate about NFL football is you don't have rivalry oftentimes with close neighbors. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, as a Jets fan, I don't think you view the Giants as a rivalry really. Who would be your rival? Is it the Patriots? Is it somebody else? And would you like to see the NFL give one team as a rival into the schedule? It's funny. I asked a couple of guys on the team that today when I was out there. And and I think that, you know, to a man, they'll probably tell you the more of the rivalry are the teams that you play twice a year, like your division opponents. I don't know if it has to do with proximity because we know that some of these don't even make sense where these teams are in the same division, but they're so far apart. Like for how many years, you know, when the St. Louis Cardinals moved to Phoenix, they stayed, the Phoenix Cardinals stayed in the NFC East for like 20 years or something like that before they realigned the division. I think from a Jets standpoint, the Patriots are probably the number one rival right now. Um, back in the day, like when Buttle was playing, it was the Miami Dolphins, you know, especially into the 80s and stuff like that. But once you had the Parcells and Belichick and Curtis Martin, those guys changing hands, it's been Jets-Patriots for, I would say, the last 20 years. Yeah, and that's, that's what I figured you would say as well. And it's so interesting because since it's been so long since you beat them, is that it's not even a, a like it's not even a, a real rivalry in the sense you just hate them more than the other. Uh, and so I, I would like to see the NFL try to figure out a way to get teams that are close in proximity that are not in the same division, get one rival uh, in there so that you do get to play Giants Jets every year uh, or something along those lines. Well, Wes, I'll tell you what. Every year. I'll tell you what, and I thank you for the phone call. I got to run. If the NFL keeps adding games to the schedule, like we all know that eventually there's going to be an 18th game an 18th regular season game. Maybe they'll use that extra game to develop some sort of a rivalry opponent that they play each and every year. Like if the Jets and Giants play each and every season, I don't think that that's going to be a bad thing. But I still don't think it'll be as acrimonious a relationship as the Jets have with their division opponents and the Giants have with, let's say, the Cowboys, Washington, Philadelphia. Right, like Giants-Eagles is still going to be more of a hated rivalry than Giants-Jets for the Giant fan. Giants-Cowboys versus Giants-Jets. And you know what? The Giants-Jets, they used to play, you know, they play every year and they play every year in the preseason. But think about how that has changed over the years. Now, like, the starters are barely even playing in those games. So even the preseason game doesn't maybe mean as much as it used to. But, hey, you never know. Once we get that extra game in the regular season, maybe that could be an opportunity. It's like baseball... They developed that new schedule, but they still made sure that certain teams would play rivalry opponents more than one series a year, like the Mets and the Yankees. They play twice, once in the Bronx, once in Queens. And there's a couple of other you know, clubs that have those sort of rivalry opponents to where that they're going to see them a little bit more frequently.